Hello, welcome to the Juice Box Podcast. This is episode 173. Today's show is called The Nanny, and it is sponsored by Omnipod and Dexcom. Omnipod, of course, is the tubeless insulin pump that Arden has been using since she was four years old. And Dexcom makes the G6 continuous glucose monitor. You can learn more about both of those products later in the show, in the show notes, or at juiceboxpodcast.com. My name is Mari, and I am a full-time nanny for two little boys, one of which was diagnosed about seven or eight months ago with type 1 diabetes. So I spend a lot of time managing that because he's very young and relies on me 100%. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan. Thanks for coming on and doing this. I really appreciate it. Let's figure out a couple of things. You've been a nanny for this family for how long? Almost four years. Four years. So you were over three years into the into the, the life with them when, when their child's diagnosed. Is it their younger or older child who was diagnosed? It's, it's the younger one. And so I've been with the family since before he was even conceived. Like, he is, he, he is essentially the closest thing I've ever had to a baby of my own. I gotcha. Can I ask how old you are? I am 33. Okay, so 29 years old. Had you been a nanny prior to that? Prior to this family? Sorry, did you say 29? You were 29 when you started working for this family. Oh, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. And I was, you were like, was I? I'm like, wait, I'm 33. (laughs) No, okay, uh, I got it. Um, Were were you prior to that, prior to the family you're with now, were you a nanny? So, So I started babysitting when I was 11, and I've worked with kids on and off ever since. Um... I think I was a full-time nanny for just a few years before that mm-hmm. and a part-time nanny before that and also a caregiver for an 87-year-old woman. So I've done a lot of just like preschool stuff with kids, um, but full-time nannying, it's probably been about eight years. So this kind of work, would you say it's it's who you are really? Like, are you a caregiver at heart, do you think? Um, I think so, especially with kids, young kids. I really love... Like just little, little kids who are just so curious and learning about everything and explaining to them, you know, why a leaf falls down and, and turns different colors or something like that. You know, I, I studied biology, so I, I love talking about science with little kids. And fortunately, the two little kids I watch are really into that kind of stuff. Yeah, It's funny. I was just thinking this morning about stuff like that because my son's getting ready to leave for college and he's our first and... I've been a stay-at-home dad for, you know, his entire life. And I, I was thinking back on the things, like, I wanted to share with him before he left. And I could only kind of, the memories I have of when he was really little are of things like that that I think some people might find benign. But I thought were some of the best times. You, you know, just describing something they'd never seen before, letting them sit and watch something, watching them see something for the first time. Like, that stuff really impacts me. Uh, it's cool that, it, that it, it reaches you the same way. That's really great. Okay, so can we use the, the little boy's name? Um, yeah, so his name is Jacob. All right. It's a pretty common name. Yeah, <laughs> so. right. I don't think anybody's going to pick you out. All right, so Mari, so Jacob's diagnosed at what age? Um, it was about a, a little over a month after his second birthday. Okay, okay. Sound familiar? It does a little bit, huh? <laughs> yeah. So you're on in a really kind of like strange way. So Jacob's mom listens to the podcast? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, she does. Ah, and and then, she introduced me to it. And, and then now I was going to say, she forced you to listen to it. <laughs> no, she then, did not. <laughs> she just said, I found this great podcast. And I said, oh, okay, sure, yeah, uh-huh. Right. And, you know, because a lot of podcasts are whatever. But um, I ended up, after maybe a month or so of her just talking about things she learned on it, just checking it out. And, and now I've listened to a lot of episodes. I'm really interested in his home his parents have this information that were given to to them by doctors. Were you in the room at the doctor's office, or did they pass this information on to you in the house? So at diagnosis, actually, I brought 
Jacob to the doctor and met his mom there. And I was in the room for it all. It was, that was hard. (laughs) But, and then, yeah. And then they went to the hospital with him. Like dad came home from work. He was on like a a Skype call basically Mm -hmm. in the room with us all. Um, But then they went to the hospital together and I picked up the older kid and hung out with him while they were at the hospital, you know? Okay. And, but then like the next day, during all the kind of, you know, when they're trying to teach you everything all at once, I came in on, on the weekend. It was a Friday. So I came in on Saturday and Sunday to the hospital to learn some stuff. And I think other than one doctor's appointment, um, I have been at all of the diabetes appointments, all the endro appointments. Did you or Jacob's mom pick it up faster than one or the other? Did you find yourself helping each other? Like, what was that process in the beginning of... Um like, how did you compliment each other in that situation? So I, I just want to mention that his dad is just as involved as his mom and okay. I are. Okay. Okay. Um, do they work in the home or they work out of the home? No, they both um, work and that's why I'm there so gotcha. much. Gotcha. Um, but they're, even when they're at work, they're still very involved. Um, and, you know, if I have anything that I'm not sure about, I text with them. I keep them in the loop. Like if he's dropping, cause he has a CGM. So if he's dropping fast. Right. I text them to let them know, like, hey, I just gave him some juice. He's actually 70. He's not 40 or whatever. Yeah, right, right. Well, that's Um, that's beautiful. Because I know if I was looking at that, I'd want to know someone is handling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine watching it fall and thinking, oh, I know, I know Mari has it, and then you don't, and then you just sat there and did nothing while it was happening like that would be a a horrendous feeling i think what you're doing is so kind not that it just to let them stay in that loop take that anxiety away that's really because that's extra work for you as well right yeah well but i always deal with the problem first First. and then i make sure that they know i i've been doing it right um but so i think that for the three of us we learned different things at different rates i mean and we all learned from each other Um, and I think it, you know, even if you hear from someone else how to do something or listen to the podcast and get ideas, you kind of have to troubleshoot. You kind of have to experiment yourself and, you know, it's just, it's different hearing about something that that she learned to do than doing it myself or something. It's an, it's an important message that everyone really needs to hear is I, I just, I was just speaking to somebody the other day and, you know, at the end of the conversation, it was so just in this spot again, how much insulin? I was like, no, no, no. I was like, I can't tell you. I don't know. Try, you know, pick a number that makes sense to you. Give it a try. See what kind of a response you get. Try it again. It, it is a little, it's going to be a little bit of an experiment until you figure it out. And at this age, it, it changes so much. Quickly. Like his needs one week are so different from his needs the next week. Yeah. How much does he weigh? Do you think? Uh, too much. Pick me up, carry me up the stairs. I, I should know. I feel like he's like in the low thirties. Yeah. And so that's not a lot of body weight because you, you you need, you need the fat to distribute that insulin around. Luckily he does have a good little chub layer, which, you know, helps, but I'm sure it's going to disappear in the next couple of years. Exactly. Uh, for that whole four or five year old where they're just so skinny. So did you have any personal or family experience with diabetes? Um, I, I have like a family friend who has type two, but I didn't like when, when he was diagnosed, I did not know the difference between type one and type two other than that they had different names. So I have come very far. Yeah. I didn't, even though I studied biology, like we never talked about diabetes. I studied animals and okay. ecology and plants and stuff. Yeah. So I just was trying to establish whether you had you know, whether there was any background at all or no. yeah. So you're, so you're without any, you know, any idea of what's happening. You've yeah. been with the family long enough. You saw the baby, you saw Jacob born. You probably feel as close to them as anyone who's not blood related to them could possibly feel. I would imagine. Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and so would you describe it as heartbreaking when he was diagnosed? It It was one of the, it's one of the hardest things I've ever been through. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, because I was also at work, I was trying my very, very hardest not to completely fall apart and be there and supportive for his mom. I was sitting there thinking, you know, the best thing I can do right now is not fall apart and be strong for her. 
so that she can fall apart. Right. And then I can make sure that, you know, Jacob's okay. Yeah. And hmm? I was just going to say 10 minutes into this conversation, I already think you need to be paid more money. And I don't know how much you make because you are fantastic. Really, like that's such a that's such a, a human like response, like the idea of let me be the strong person for them, because that's not part of your job, right? I mean, like there's no other in the in the four years prior to that, you never were like, I'll be the rock here. Like that's but, you know But the nanny, your job really essentially is to make the parents' life easier and facilitate them being able to work while still having their kids raised in a way that they, you know, care about and or a way that they relate to and to take care of their kids so that they can go to work and not worry, you know, that, that is my job is to make their lives easier. Right. No, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think of it like that, but you're, you're obviously hundred percent right. Okay. So you're, you're in the hospital, you're being the, you're like, I'll hold it together. How hard was it to hold it together? What did you want to do? If no one could see you, what do you think your reaction would have been? Oh, I definitely would have just cried. I'm a crier. I cry almost every episode I listen to, just so you know. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, no, it's okay. okay. I mean, especially when they get to the diagnosis stories, I always cry. I'm like, oh, my God, because I just feel that moment again when, you know, we were all in the room together. Um, but what I did was I took him home. He fell asleep in the car, thankfully, because he really wanted to eat and we couldn't give him anything, you know. Mm -hmm. And while he took a nap in my car, his mom packed everything up and then they went to the hospital and then I sobbed for like two hours Yeah, until I had to go pick up his brother. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it was heavy, you know, and I didn't really even know what it meant at the time. I just knew that it just meant a lot was going to change, you know? Yeah. Like this promise of whatever you feel like life is when you start a family, like it just feels like it's dashed in that moment. And especially without perspective of what can be done or how you can live. It all seems really like finite, like, Oh gosh, I, like it's almost like you fast forwarded to the end of your happiness. Like you used it all up or something like that, but that's not the case. And so how long did it take you to get clear of that, that feeling? Like when did the, when did the clouds break? Do you think? Um, I don't, I think one thing that really helped me, was that very first weekend when we went in, it was very overwhelming, you know, all the training and, okay, now you're giving him a shot. Like, what? I've never given anyone a shot before, you know, um, was that the nurse that we worked with um, is a type one and, you know, she has two healthy kids and she's a nurse. She's successful. She's really involved in the diabetes community. She does diabetes education and she works obviously with the endocrinologist and stuff. And she, she's amazing yeah. and just such a lovely, successful person. And so meeting her made me feel a lot better. That's, that's pretty immediate. I mean, it was still all very overwhelming. And I think that probably another breaking point would be like about a, a few weeks or a month after we got the CGM mm -hmm. and because at first you're like, oh, my God, this is what's happening, right? Yeah, I thought we but were doing then, so well. <laughs> once you start learning how to better manage it through what you learn from seeing that, then I, I started feeling like, oh, okay, like this is manageable. We can do this, mm -hmm. you know. It's, it's like a roller coaster. Like you hit these hard spots and then you kind of find some relief once you learn from them. And Yeah, it gets better yeah. and better as it goes. What, how old was Jacob when he got the CGM? Now that school's over, I let my kids sleep in a little bit, you know, for the first couple weeks to let them rest up. Now with Arden's diabetes, sometimes that could be problematic, I guess, if I didn't have a Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Here's what happens, and it's happening right now. It's early in the morning as I'm recording this for you. I wake up, Arden's blood sugar has been 98 overnight, really steady, great night's sleep. That was exciting. But then I notice a little trend down. So what I do is I go into her room and I set a temporary basal rate, a little decrease of her insulin, just enough to catch that drift down and brings it back up again. Now here I am an hour later and her blood sugar is 100. It was going to be low. Her blood sugar would have went from 80 to 70 and it would have kind of kept drifting. Anyway, that's what would have happened if I didn't have a Dexcom G6. But because she did, I woke up, 
I got dressed. I looked at my phone. My phone showed me, yeah, I think I'm seeing what I think I'm seeing. I made a little adjustment to her insulin, and the next thing you know, everything's okay again. No drinking juice in her sleep, not having to wake her up, and she still gets to sleep in. And I get to come down here and get the podcast together for you. If you're interested in learning more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, please go to the links in your show notes to juiceboxpodcast.com, or you can type into your browser, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. I'll tell you what, let me screenshot Arden's 100 blood sugar real quick, and I'll put it up on Instagram and on Facebook. So if you follow me on social media, go take a look. Is it official yet? Are we calling a 100 blood sugar on a Dexcom CGM a Quincy? How old was Jacob when he got the CGM? Oh, I mean, this was like, I feel like it was around a month after diagnosis, but I'm a little fuzzy on the timeline. But, but quickly in the beginning. It, I mean, we, we asked for it that weekend. Okay. And obviously they were like, well, blah, 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 blah. But, it, you know, we pushed for it and it didn't take a lot of pushing, but we did. How'd you find out that quickly about it? Um, well, our nurse that I was telling you about, uh, she was wearing one excellent. and she just, she just kind of mentioned like, well, in the future, like there are things that we can do, you know, like this and there's pods and there's, you know, and you were like, the future um, is now. <laughs> and you know, his mom was like, we want one of those. Right. And they're like, oh, you don't want to talk about it or anything? No, we want one. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. So yeah, quickly, please. We are all very glad about that. I, I can't believe they let like nine-month-olds who are diagnosed out of the hospital without one. It's crazy. Yeah, I haven't said it in a while, but I think if you want it, you should just you should have it the day you're diagnosed. I, it's just a strange idea that something this kind of fragile and difficult to understand is left up to your imagination most of the time. Or, or like nine-month-olds, and they say, like, oh, let's stay on MDI. I'm like, but you can't even dose small enough for a, a, a child that, that size. Yeah. Is Jacob using a pump? Yeah, so he's on the Omnipod and he has a Dexcom. Okay. We just got the G6 on Friday. So it was as I was leaving work, it showed up. I don't know if he's wearing it yet or not, but exciting. Wait till you you see how easy the insertion process is. It's so, like, simple and fast and painless. Yeah, I mean, I I can imagine based on what I've seen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So let me ask you this, uh, Mari. What's your schedule like? I mean, you can't work seven days a week for the rest of your life for somebody, right? You must go home. Like, when does that happen? So I work 7.30 to 5.30, Monday through Friday. And sometimes uh, I stay an hour late um, if someone has a meeting or something. Yeah. So I'm about 50 hours a week. I do come home on the weekends, and I do have a husband and a stepdaughter. So I do have a life outside. <laughs> well, the only reason I asked you is because what I'm really wondering is, is when you leave... And, you know, if it's just for the evening or it's for overnight, it's for the weekend, can you forget about Jacob's diabetes? Never. No. I mean, maybe, like, while I'm watching a movie, you know. Right, but no, I understand. Like, like when I'm taking a shower, I'm, like, thinking about, like, okay, how could I have done that bolus yesterday better? Like, right. I think about him all the time because he's, like, my baby. Yeah. Do you, you know? wonder what his blood sugar is when you're not with him? Yeah, and sometimes I look. They don't. I mean, I know that they're both very proactive and they pay a lot of attention. Right. And he's in good hands. But sometimes I look, you know, if I'm eating lunch, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what happened to him today. Is it strong enough that could, is there something you could see on that Dexcom when you're at home and it's not your job anymore to be looking after Jacob? Is there something strong enough that could make you cross that line and contact them? And say, hey, what's going on? Like, I need to know. Like, the same way. I don't know. Because it seems inappropriate, like, it, as I'm thinking about it, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I don't know. I guess I would have to be faced with something that would be that scary. But, I mean, I've, I've seen scary when I wasn't there. And I just waited it out and then it was fine you know and then it's fine and then on monday when i came in they said yeah that's when we tried pizza you know (laughs) (laughs) like that that's when we tried pizza but something else was going on you know i mean and i've been there too where like i have double arrows down and i'm like how did this happen so quickly right and sometimes on the cgm it looks so much scarier than it is in real life because you can do a quick check and 
you can know where they really are. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little delayed. So sometimes it's, it's kind of like making, when you're not there, you're panicking over something that doesn't need to be panicked over, you know? Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up. So this it's Monday. Now you and I are talking on Monday morning. Uh, it's right before the 4th of July and last weekend, which is just the last two days of my life on Saturday, I think Arden played a softball game at 8 a.m., 11 a.m., and 2 p.m. It was a hundred and some degrees. The heat index was crazy. Okay. It was the, it, it was terrible. And then she came back the next day and had to play 11 a.m. and 2.30. And it was hotter the second day than it was the first day. So the first day, we get there, and her pump is scheduled to be done I think around seven o'clock that night. So as we get there early in the morning, I'm like, you know what? Everything's great. This is going to be fine. Like I can make this pump last this day, you know? Um, and so first game starts, adrenaline hits her. I start bolusing for the adrenaline. I try again and again. It seems resistant, but I feel like I'm having success with the pump and I am, and I get her blood sugar to come back in. It went up to like 165. I got it back down again. Game ends. We go off to... You know, I don't know for people in the Northeast, we went to Wawa, uh, which I just found out is named after the noise a goose makes. I don't know if that's interesting for anybody. Uh, but we went to Wawa. We picked up, like, snacks and, and you know, different foods, and, and Arden had to eat. So I'm bolusing on top of that. But knowing she's going to go back out and play again in this incredible heat, I keep her blood sugar down. But around the third game, something happened, and I just could see on the CGM, I'm like, this climb that's happening in her in her blood sugar, like I started thinking this pump is on its third day. It's coming up on its, you know, its last couple of hours. We've been out in this hundred degree heat all this time. And I bolused once I bolused twice and I didn't get what I expected. So I went over to the bench. I asked her coach, like, just leave her out for one inning, one half inning. And we changed her pump right on the bench. It, it just 110 degrees. And so, you know, I've got this big wad of like paper towels and Arden splashes some water on it to clean off her stomach. And she goes, this is just like Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and I said, Mari, I said, it's not really, sweetie. And she was like, no, no, it is. And she's all excited and she's doing it. We swapped that pump in three minutes on a bench, you know, in a, in a, on, a on a baseball field. Got it going. I had her blood sugar to come right back down again. It was great. That night... Her blood sugar wanted to be low. And so she ate a meal later in the evening. I don't even think I gave her 15% of the insulin for it that I thought I should have given her. And I still had to cut her basils off over the night to keep her from like from getting under 50. Yeah. Now, the next day, is I just know. I'm like, the next day, I'm like, I'm new pump, same situation. This is There's going to be a moment, right, where this is worse. She goes to the first game. Everything's great. We go, you know, grab some food. We're sitting in the car. And I said to her, hey, I'm like, you're 79 diagonal down. Time to start eating. And so she starts eating and 79 becomes 75, becomes 69, becomes 40. Like Before I know it, it's 40. But she's taken in an incredible amount of food by that point. And that's to your point. Like her CGM said 40, but I thought she's not 40. You know, like she ate. She ate 20 minutes ago. Even if she's 40 for this second, it's going to come right back up. And it did. It did exactly what I expected it to do. But to believe that for a moment, to be able to look at that number that you rely on so much throughout 24 hours in a day and be able to sometimes look at it and go, I can't worry about what that says for the moment. That's a difficult leap to make. And that's a difficult leap to make when I'm there and I'm with her. And I'm 100% confident that that I know that what's happening is happening. I just really, I feel so, um, it's a very long way of saying I have a ton of compassion for you having to be in that situation and not be able to make sure. Like that must be just genuinely very difficult. I, I, I would find it incredibly difficult, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, like I said... I have a lot of confidence in his parents. Right. They're both smart people and they both are really paying attention, I feel. So that does ease my worry a lot. Right. You know? Like if I knew he was with a babysitter, I might be a little bit more worried. <laughs> so can I ask you on your side, you said you have a husband and a, and a stepdaughter. Um, mm-hmm. 
Has your husband ever said to you, Mari, we're talking more about Jacob's diabetes than we are about our own life? Does it, how far does it bleed into your, into your real life? Um, he has never said that to me, but he's a very kind person. Um, (laughs) You know, I, I don't like nonstop talk about it. Definitely my, some of my close friends, they're like, wow, I know a lot about diabetes now, (laughs) you know, I think my friend said to me the other day, I can tell how much you care about Jacob because every single time we talk, we talk about him, you know? Yeah. What do you think does that? Do you think, are you trying to subconsciously or consciously create advocates or do you think it's just so on your mind? I mean, I like to educate people about it because I feel like nobody knows anything about it really, unless they're involved in it. Yeah. But also... I mean, anytime you talk to any of your friends and you kind of catch up, you just talk about what's going on in your life. And a huge part of what's going on in my life is diabetes management, you know? Yeah. And so that's just really, it's not eye opening. I would, I'd expect you to say it, but it's incredibly interesting that even in your removed situation, you're having the same exact experiences and feelings that everyone else who lives with it has. Like there's, I guess there's no escape. I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't mean to make it sound, uh you know, like scary, but like, it's just a difficult thing to walk away from at the end of the day and never think about again. I don't, I, I can't Especially do it. when you have like such a strong bond. I mean, I've, I've raised him, you know, I held him when he was just a little baby and I took over care for him full time when he was about four months old. Right. I, I like slowly took over, over those four months. Um, and then at four months, you know, she went back to work and it was just us. Yeah. Well, you she, know? she must really trust you because that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't just mean with their kids. I mean, four months, you know, that young, um, that, that, that amount of time since diagnosis, that's really, uh, that's really something, you know, like even four months just with your baby. Great. But two years with the, with the dot di- in a two year old diabetes is, is, is like a four month old without diabetes. You know what I mean? Like, it's like here, don't like hurt, kill this thing. Take it from me. It's not easy. I mean, I'm also a very meticulous person, kind of a perfectionist, and I studied biology, so I went through physics and calculus and all that, so the math aspect of it was pretty easy for me to pick up and stuff, and I remember them saying, like, you know, it's a good thing you're our nanny, or I'd have to, like, quit my job, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. I think that my personality is a good fit for, for taking care of a diabetic kid. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's, let's talk about that then. She goes off to work and you're with a two-year-old who has diabetes. What an is awesome two-year-old. an awesome two-year-old? Jacob is an awesome two-year-old. Could very easily be the name of this podcast episode. I don't know if I've spoken about it yet in the podcast or if it's still coming up, but this is a very infrequent situation where you're hearing a podcast that I just recorded. So it's July 4th finishing up with the edits right now putting in the ads and i'm going to upload it for you anyway you're going to have heard me talk about arden playing five softball games last weekend three on saturday two on sunday in 100 degree plus weather very humid i cannot tell you how indispensable her omnipod was the obvious stuff first of all it's tubeless so she's wearing it constantly she can get her insulin while she's playing it's wireless. So when I use the PDM to make decisions about her insulin, it can be done from, you know, outside of the dugout. You don't have to bother her. Nobody has to walk in. She doesn't have to pull out some sort of a controller from her. You know, I don't know even know where you would put that while you're playing softball. But anyway, the grander point is that Arden still needed her insulin. And I was still able to be bold and aggressive with it while she was playing. But there were times and then she didn't need the insulin as much. And I was also able to set temporary basal rates to restrict her insulin. If I saw dips in her blood sugar, she got a high from adrenaline at some point. We needed a bunch of insulin. Then a little later, it was a little too much and we were able to tail it back. These are things that you just can't do with shots. You can't restrict insulin with shots, but you can with a pump. And you can do it much better and much easier and much simpler with the Omnipod. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. The link's in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com to get a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod today. And don't forget to listen to the story where I had to change her pump at the game. I did it on the bench. Took three minutes. The Omnipod is amazing. She 
goes off to work and you're with a two-year-old who has diabetes. What were your findings early on? Like you, you're, you're pumping at that point, right? Well, early on we were doing MDI, oh, like you were MDI. for okay. like a month or something, or maybe even longer. I'm trying to think. Okay, he was he was diagnosed um, very early December, and um, mid January I think is when he went on the pump, and he are, he was already on the CGM at that point. So you had but CGM first, with MDI for a little bit. But we first tried with um, diluted insulin because his basal rate was so low. Sure. And we were not having good success with that at all. And as soon as we switched to um, regular concentration, it went much better. Like even though we were giving him supposedly the same amount of insulin, right. it was just working a lot better. And I'm not sure why. So when you said you weren't having good success, you were having high blood sugars. Yeah. Okay. Like... It, it wasn't affecting him like it should, given the amount we were giving him, okay. we thought, right? right. <laughs> so, so, and so you stopped diluting it. You went started using it. Were you drawing like little like bits with syringes in the beginning? Like Yeah, I mean, because units? a lot of his doses ended up being like quarter units. Yeah. Or like 0.75 or something. I mean, he's a small guy. You know, you talk about giving Arden like nine units for a meal. And I'm like, he doesn't even have nine units in a day, you know? Including his basil. Where do you where do you see that change? Wait, everyone who's seen it change knows exactly how that feels. I just talked to somebody the other day who I was telling like you sounds to me like they need more insulin, and the sticking point was, but it seems like so much. And I said, I know that's that's how you know they're growing, like right there when you start having that feeling because, you know, when you, there are adults who are listening to this who use you know sixty units for a meal. You, you, yeah. you know, and they're and they're laughing at the nine units and you know, definitely thinking, gosh, a quarter. What is that? Like for me, most meals are under one unit. Okay. Still today uh, when he's four. And we still use carb ratios and I still carb count. But I, I as my boss says, not all carbs are created equal. Um, and if it's something processed, I tend to almost double the carb count. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's like crackers and it says that this is, 10 carbs, I'm like, no, it's 20. Um, or if it's something like a cookie, I've learned to triple the carb count. Wow. So I'm still using carb counting, right? But it, you know. But you're still making bigger decisions. Scale. Yeah, you're using bigger decisions. I, I did the other day, we were, we were on our way to that first softball game on Sunday. And she's like, I'm going to have this chocolate chip granola, but I don't know what it was. Like it, it was, you know, like faux healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, okay. And She's like, how much do you think? And I said, how much do you think? And she's looking. And I did say while I was driving, I was like, how many carbs does it say is in it? She was like 17. And I said, okay. I said, try two units. But it wasn't. I was wrong. It was probably more like two and a half. Um, because by the time we got to the field 20 minutes later, I gave her more insulin again. Because I saw, uh, I had I was about one thirty five diagonal up, and I thought, ooh, you know, we we missed on that a little bit, so um, so I bumped it back down again, and uh, and and then I then my timing was off because then an hour and a half later she was like eighty diagonal down, and that's but that's when you eat a handful of fruit, right? Right, right, yeah. Oh, please, she drank a half a juice box on deck. She had a she had a bat over her shoulder and a helmet on. And I stuck the straw through the fence. I was like, just drink half of this. And she said, I don't want it. And I was like, yeah, just drink half of it. And so she just, you know, two little sips. Because I have, I have found the tiniest juice boxes. It's, yeah, you know, ours are eight carbs, our juice boxes. So what I do if I want him to drink half, because he's two and doesn't have good self-control, is I hold the straw with my finger halfway out of the, out of the juice box so mm -hmm. he can only drink half of it. Ooh, that's a great tip. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm learning all these little tricks, which make it so much easier. One that I've come up with recently, which may help anyone who has a young boy mm -hmm. who's potty training. He can use almost any public restroom standing up if he stands on my feet. <laughs> that has saved us so much hassle. He just stands on my feet, and then he's the perfect height to pee in the toilet without sitting. Because, Mari, if not, you're holding him under his arms, and now you're in charge of aiming. And well, and then he can't relax. How can you relax if someone's holding you up in the air over a toilet? Come on. from your shoulders. <laughs> I love the put, this, put it halfway in idea, which sounds dirty, but I don't mean it that way. And so with the, with the straw, like that's brilliant because when he 
when the juice is gone, you're like, oh, it's done, buddy. And then in his mind, he got what he what he was there for. He doesn't. But feel you like have it. to watch out because it starts um, compressing. Yes. Oh, so and then the liquid gets that, hard. You have to take it away. Nope. Oh, Fun for now, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody thought they were going to get a physics lesson on juice boxes today on the podcast, but they've done it. Uh, that that's yeah, that is simply brilliant. It really is. And then you have the rest in case he actually needed a whole one. Oh please, yeah, I told her I'm like I'm keeping the other half of this. And so the other day, oh sorry. No, no, I just was going to say we didn't end up using it. That's all. So the other day we went swimming, um, and usually we only swim for maybe half an hour or so, and it's so much of me just holding him because he's learning. Mm-hmm. He's only two or two and a half, you know. And he had so much fun. He was just jumping in and out of the pool, and I think he actually got a lot more exercise than he usually does. Um, plus, we'd been a little aggressive with the insulin all day because lately we've been having to be mm-hmm. to get him down. Um, and... After swimming, he just, everything was really steady for a long time. And then suddenly it was like 86 double down or something. <laughs> um, and I looked at how much insulin was on board. It wasn't that much. I think it was like 0.2 units. And I just gave him four carbs of, of raspberries real quick. Mm-hmm. And he steadied out at 75 or 77. Yeah. Somehow, I guess like, he came back up a little. And then he started slowly drifting down. He just hit 75, and I just gave him two more raspberries, one more carb. So five carbs of raspberries. And, just like and then it was, like, it was like beautiful. He just slowly floated up to like mid-90s or something yep. over the next hour. And that, that highlights very well something that I've been talking about, which you won't know about if you're listening to the podcast, because I'm ahead of everyone else in real time. But... That it just struck me six, eight months ago. I'm like, wow, I'm talking about bumping and nudging insulin. I should also be talking about bumping and nudging food. It's a similar idea. Like, you don't have to drink the entire juice box. You don't have to open up, you know, fruit snacks and eat every one of them just because they're there. You know, like, whatever it is you're using. You do, like, one or two gummy bears. Like, if he's going down and that's what we have, I'll give him one gummy bear, Mm -hmm. maybe two. I sometimes on the way on Arden's way to school, if she looks like she's going to drift a little low, I just I'm like, hey, here's these chewy vitamins that you usually have at dinner time. Just have them now because they have a few carbs in them. And sometimes that's all you need. It's just a little nudge in the other direction. Um, you know, a little gas, a little break. Like that, sometimes like that. I feel like the bumping and nudging is a little harder with such a small kid. Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, versus an older kid or an adult because – Sometimes 0.05 units can take him from, let's say, like 120 to like below 80, you know? It can drop him that much and just that's, from one little... And that's, mm-hmm. tiny, and that's in a situation where you're pretty confident there's no other reason from earlier. I'm never confident that there's <laughs> no other thing going on. I'm, I'm convinced there's always something else going on. But my point is, like, he's just so small and so sensitive, and then he's got, like growth hormones and like constantly eating. And I mean, even though we really do kind of space things out, I just feel like all people are constantly eating. It's like every three hours you have to eat again. Like you have to do this again. (laughs) Why don't we eat again next month? (laughs) I've Um, got your blood sugar at 85. Let's just leave it here forever. Um, By the way, the sentence I'm never confident is maybe the funniest thing anyone's ever said on the podcast. That was fantastic. Um, I'm never confident either, Mari. I hope people know that. I hope they know that I'm always just sort of like, this will probably work. I'll try that. Well, I'll try this. You I'm know. never confident that there's not other things going on. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm always like, well, it could be this, this, or this. And I can come up with so many reasons why this could be happening. But really what I need to do is do my best to... Deal in the moment. You know, reach a, a stable-ish blood sugar and keep him feeling good. So was it helpful for you... If you heard it when I said that idea that a lot of times I see people frantically trying to figure out what happened instead of dealing with what is happening. Because I I don't know if you ever heard me say that, but I I once said it and a a person I know who has had type 1 diabetes for a very long time, an adult, recently told me that was one of the most impactful things that they heard on the podcast was just that idea of like when my blood sugar starts going up or starts going down, I used to spend so much time trying to diagnose why it happened and I wouldn't do anything about it. And and he, and he said, now I just, I deal with what's happening in front of me. He found that very helpful. And it just seems like what you just described, like that idea of like, 
not getting lost in the what 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 this could have been scenario. I mean, I definitely the most important thing is to pay attention to what's going on and do whatever needs to be done. Mm -hmm. But I think that trying to figure out why is helpful too, because you're trying to prevent it from happening in the future or predict that it's going to happen in the future, you know, but later after the, whatever's happening is over. That's just when, like the yeah. text to the parents comes later after, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right. You, you have the priority, especially with a low is the low, right. making sure he's okay, making sure he feels good, making sure we stabilize, at least prevent it from dropping further and bring it back up without overshooting it incredibly. Yeah, yeah, you don't, I, especially with somebody that little, like that roller coaster is that much worse than, you I, know. Yeah, I remember we were, you know, at, at the gym, you know, like a little gymbery thing. Mm -hmm. And um, he had been, he spiked pretty high after breakfast. Um, meaning in the 200s, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really aggressively trying to get him down. Um, and I knew I'd probably overdone it a little bit, but I was going to catch it with some fruit, right? And then when he was dropping, I was like, okay, I'm going to catch this with this fruit. I gave him the fruit. I didn't catch it. He was still dropping and he was, he was going to go low and he still had a lot of insulin on board. So then I gave him juice because I didn't want him to be really low. And then as soon as he started going up, I knew he was going to go up probably to 180 or higher right. um, based on the amount of carbs I had given him. So I immediately bolused him for all the fruit I gave him, but not the juice. That's exactly he, what I was thinking. Marty, this is my happiest moment. 20 or something. <laughs> oh, my and gosh. And settled in the, you know, near 100. And I, when I got home, I told his mom what I did. And she was like, oh, I was really surprised, actually, that you gave him juice and he didn't spike super high. But that makes sense. You know, now I know why. This is one of my prouder moments, Mari. But I really I am thrilled for you. I always try to catch lows with fruit. Yeah. That's my thing. I always have like five carbs of raspberries or strawberries or blueberries, something like that, weighed out in my purse. Right. And in case, you know, when we're driving, I'll be passing him strawberries when we're going to pick up his brother. I'm like, here, do you just want to eat a couple of these real quick? I always try and catch it before I have to go to the gummies or the juice. Yeah, you're hoping to stay away from that stuff, obviously. But and, and if it is actually low, I, I go for works. that. Yeah, and you know, fruit's great too because fast-acting sugar that doesn't hang around a long time in your system too. Well, and it's not as fast-acting as gummies, right? Because it, there's fiber and stuff. So it's a little bit slower, but it's fast enough that as long as you're not dropping super quick, you can catch it, you know? And I'm really excited about this preventative or um, predicted low that mm -hmm. the G6 does because that's what I'm doing. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at how much insulin he has on board. I know how, like, what I've set his basal rate at. And I, you know, he'll be like 130. And, but he's dropping fast enough and has enough insulin on board. I'm like, I need to be giving him food now. But if I was just pricking his finger. You'd still see the 130. I'd be like, 130, we're great. Yeah, yeah. And then like 20 minutes later, he'd be, you know. 60 or 40 or I don't see the predictive pop up that often but it actually did last night and I wasn't surprised after um, all that softball all that heat then Arden took a shower when she came down from the shower I always wonder if people like see this the way I do when Arden asks me for food she's like I'm hungry that's genuinely or generally excuse me a precursor for a blood sugar that's going to fall if Arden asks for food at times of the day when she's not normally hungry even if her blood sugar looks good, I'm like, oh, I bet you her blood sugar is going to start coming down. So she asked me to pop popcorn, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So I just put it in a pot with some canola oil and make popcorn, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I walked out to start doing that, and I got the predictive low alert. She went, she was just under 70, and it said, you know, I forget what it says. Like, we expect that your blood sugar will be under 55 in 20 minutes or something like that, whatever that message is on the G6. I'm and, very excited and, about that. Yeah, yeah, and so I said to her, hey – bonus time <laughs> I was like you can have more carbs and so you know let's turn this into a real like kid snack now at 8 39 o'clock at night and she came out into the she came out into the uh, kitchen and she's looking around there's never any food she says even though I'm pretty sure if we locked ourselves in here we could stay alive for two months but but she's you know she's looking around and she saw that uh, at lunch in between the the softball games she bought this um like chocolate donut that she thought she was like, I want this chocolate donut. Then she got outside to the car and she's like, I can't eat this while I'm playing softball. And I said, well, it's just going to melt. And 
but I jammed it in the cooler, and I guess I must have kept it from turning into a horror show. And so when we got home, I slid it into the refrigerator. She opened it up, and she's like, oh, my God, I'm going to have this chocolate donut. And I was like, okay. And so knowing that she was that the predictive low was coming, it's, hard, it's not hard to put into words, but if, if somebody can tell you you're 70 now, but you're going to be 55 in 20 minutes – then what is going on is a perfect pre-bolus for something like this, right? She's got a low blood sugar to begin, a lower blood sugar to begin with. It's still trying to go lower. She ate this donut, and then she had some popcorn, and I gave her a little bit of insulin for the popcorn, and golden. It was really something. Like I was like, wow, that predictive low alert actually. It, it not. I don't think she ever would have gotten that low because the popcorn would have hit her, but she would have gotten lower than I expected. My popcorn bolus probably would have made me think. I used too much insulin there when it wouldn't have been that it would have been from probably from the shower earlier. You know what I mean? Like all these things conspiring against you that I wouldn't have been able to imagine without that information. Coming well, there's back. just too many, there's too many factors going yeah. on all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, now I want to call the episode. Mari has strawberries in her purse, so I don't know what to do. I'm really up in the air here. Uh, it's, it's going to, it's going to, I don't know. It'll be down. It'll be a last minute decision, Mark. So I always have like a beef stick or something like that, which doesn't go bad, right? Which is like a one carb snack in case he's like, I'm starving. I need food right now. And I always have the, the carbs. Always. So how do you deal with, um, what's the impact on Jacob's brother? How old is he again? I'm sorry. He's five. He's five. Does this all, is he very involved with the diabetes thing or is he? feel separate from it or does it he likes to, to like enter the calibration numbers and stuff and he likes to be there when you're doing like a bg check or something mm-hmm. um he's he can do math basic math and stuff yeah. so he's very into like the numbers and and stuff and you know if he sees the, the your cell phone open and, and it says he's like two something he's like uh-oh jacob's 237 <laughs> that means he needs insulin you know like He's figuring he, it out, too. I mean, even Jacob, you know, if you ask him, like, what do you do if your blood sugar is too high? He goes, more insulin. <laughs> what do you do if you're low? Gummies or eat food. You know, he knows. Yeah, and you're keeping it lighthearted around them, too, which is great. Listen, don't let that older kid learn too much. You'll lose your job. And so <laughs> they'll keep the money in the family. My goal is in Annie's to make him learn everything. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, listen, we uh, you have to live, too. <laughs> Um, this is really, I'm fascinated by, by how entrenched you are in it. And, and I don't see another way around it. So let me ask you this from what you've learned so far, do you think it's possible to bring a school nurse along to this depth or do you think they don't, it it requires time together that doesn't exist in that relationship? I don't think, and I'm not an expert, but I don't think that anybody can get to where I am or where you are or where any of these people are who are taking care of type one diabetics, Mm -hmm. young type one diabetics. I don't think anybody can get there unless they are actually day to day with somebody. I think even like, like the endocrinologist, like she's seeing all these different cases and she's seeing all these graphs and stuff. And I haven't, spend enough time with her to know if she's actually spent like a lot of time with just one patient. But I just think, I just think it's different when you're sitting there day to day with somebody watching what their blood does from every single meal, you know, every single hour. I just, it's different, you know? Do you think the podcast would have any value for like a school nurse or somebody who is in that position of being around it more, but not a lot? I mean, I think that, yeah, the podcast, would have value for anybody who has a loved one or somebody that they need to take care of, you know, a babysitter or a school nurse, anybody, you know, but that for that Just, real, that real, like entrenched understanding, I think you're right. I think you just have to be around it. And and I think it's but, important for people to know who have kids who don't feel like they're picking it up yet. Like you might just not have enough time in the simulator yet. You know, like maybe you just need to go through these things more and more and more until they start making better sense. And, you know, it, this has been hard for me because, as I said before, I'm very meticulous. I'm kind of a perfectionist. And I like things where if I do this, I get this result. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved mm-hmm. chemistry. It was one of my favorite classes. 
Um, but in this case, if I do the same thing three days in a row, I, I don't get the same result. And that's really hard for me. It was really hard for me to let go of the idea that I could keep him between 80 and 120, which is my goal, is to constantly keep him there. It is not what I accomplish, but that's what I wish from moment to moment I could do. Um, and that, that was really, really a tough one for me to give that up and to, to give up the idea that I was actually going to be able to accomplish that. I still try, right? but you know, if he's, if his spikes after a meal stay below 180, I really do feel successful when they're like stay below 130. I'm like, wow, today's awesome. Yeah, you know, I'm good. super happy. And when he goes above 200, I, I try not to beat myself up, but you know, breakfast is harsh, man. We have him on a higher carb ratio. A lot of times I end up doubling his basil and he just, you know. Yeah. I had to over bolus for breakfast this morning because besides you and I recording at 1130 my time, at 1030 my time, I had a phone call uh, with somebody at a, at a company that everyone would know about something that everybody cares about, which is pretty much all I can say about that, I guess. Uh, but um but Arden comes cruising downstairs like in her pajamas and her sports bra and she's like, I'm hungry. And I was like, well, I'm going to be talking to a gentleman 10 minutes from now for a half an hour and then I'm getting off and I'm getting ready to the podcast. And she said, so something quick. And I was like, yes, so something quick. And her blood sugar had just gone from like she slept in very late to like, God, 1030. So I had cut her basil off a little bit. And I was getting a rise, like a 90 diagonal up. So she bolused a little bit when she got out of bed, but it still made it to 120. So now she was going to be eating at 120. And I didn't really get to give her too much of a pre-bolus. And by the way, she chose um, pancakes that weren't handmade. So the ones that are handmade, because they're, in, they're from good natural ingredients, they're fine. But those ones that are like, hey, just add water so that you can have pancakes really quickly, which we keep a couple around the house for these situations... They're harsher on her. So yeah, I, I over bolused. Yeah, yeah. Oh, terrible. They're really bad, actually. So I over bolused. I double basiled <laughs> the whole thing. It wasn't enough time. And I needed to get her out of the room so I could get on this call, basically. And she did. She got up to like 175, diagonal up before we stopped it. I had to bolus again to stop the, stop the arrow and bring it back down. And now it's two hours. You know, it's two hours since then. Um, and I can look real quick. Her blood sugar is 140. So this was not the most successful bolus I've ever made in my entire life. I didn't do all of the things that I knew I would have had to do. I could have controlled those pancakes with more time or opportunity. But to but your point. It's also not 300. So. Yeah, right. It's, it's not also bad. not 300. It's also not stuck there for two and a half or three hours. It's just a spike that that was easily controlled and brought back again. I, and I'm where you're at. I don't beat myself up about it. Um, I, I just, you know, it's not my goal, but it's also not a failure. And I think that's really important what you said. Like, it's just, you well, have to keep I, that perspective. I also said, I try not to beat myself up. <laughs> What's it look like, Mari, when you do beat yourself up? <laughs> I just feel bad. <laughs> I, I just sit there and think about what I could have done better, which I think is somewhat productive. Yes. But not the part where you feel bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, or on days when I just keep bolusing him and I can't seem to get him down. You know, there was one time where that was happening and I really aggressively bolused him and he dropped so fast, fast. Yeah. and it was really scary and I had to give him, you know, it was scary because it was my first time experiencing that. Mm -hmm. Now I think I'd handle it a little better. Yeah. But I had so much adrenaline, you know, and I gave him fruit and I gave him juice and he was fine even though the CGM did drop down to 47 for one cycle. Right. Um, but after that, I learned that I really shouldn't bolus him more than once an hour. But on stubborn days, my rule is to wait at least half an hour. See, so, you, so, in between. so much to my points that I've made previously, as much as a mistake feels like a mistake, a mistake, if you treat it correctly, if you pay close attention to it, you learn way more from those moments than you do from the other ones, right? Because you saw how much insulin is too much insulin, but you can also use that information to make a slightly better decision next time, still be very aggressive, but not to the point where you're 47 when it's over. And I will say that occasionally I do bolus and then bolus like five or 10 minutes later. Mm -hmm. 
if he's rising, 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 and I say, okay, like I'm giving him 0.2 units to stop this, but then for the next two cycles, he still rises. Yeah. I might add in like another 0.1 or 0.05. Right. But I'll call that, you know, then I won't bolus for another 40 minutes or an hour or something. And and keep people should keep in mind when you're when you're saying point you know point one that's you know half that's fifty percent of the original bolus it's a lot more insulin than you know it's like saying I it's like if I said you I bolus eight units and I put four more in you know like it's a it's a it's a fair well, impact but you have to think that like when he ate I gave him say like for breakfast it might be like point nine mm-hmm. and then maybe his blood sugar was like one forty so that's another. Like, I don't know, point, we just changed all the correction factors, so I don't quite have it, but right. it's something like 0.2 or, I don't know. So let's say the original bolus was then, you know, 1.1 or something. But then he's still going up past 180. I might add in another 0.1 or 0.2 or something and double his basal rate. Because I think of it this way. If I'm adding in 0.2 and I double his basal rate to 0.1 an hour, like... I can make that up by giving him like three strawberries. Yeah. So I always try and think about like how much extra insulin I'm giving him versus how much food I would need to give him to make up for that. Is it feasible that I can make him eat that amount of food easily? Mm-hmm. Because I never want to give him an extra bolus that you is so much that I wouldn't cover. be able to make it up in food. I, I don't know. I, w- I think of things that way. Well, like, Mari, I think I, that's a smart way to think about it. When I think about a unit or a, a, a dosage of insulin, I think about it in how it equals in strawberries or blueberries. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's the silly, that's the story that gets said here over and over again about uh, when I was trying to figure out how to bolus for, uh, for adrenaline during basketball. And I was like, I know I need more, but it, the, the moment doesn't seem like it makes sense for more insulin. So I just, uh, my initial bolus was for what I knew I could cover with a juice box. And also, you don't know, like, I've heard you talk about this, you don't know when that insulin, I mean, sorry, when that adrenaline, adrenaline is going to stop. And I'll say, for for your age, adrenaline makes sense in competitive situations. Right. For um, Jacob's age, I should say for Arden's age, right? But for Jacob's age, adrenaline is tantrums, right? Oh, sure. So when he has a tantrum, he doesn't usually have the kind of tantrums that wear him out and drive his blood sugar down. Mm-hmm. He has the kind of tantrums Spike that... Him drive him up really fast you know like we're in a great place where maybe we're like at 120 and i've just bolused him to bring him down before we eat our afternoon snack and then he he starts having a tantrum and it's like he'll be 180 all of a sudden yeah yeah. like that's not fair how long the tantrum is going to last is going to last five minutes is going to last 20 i don't know and I, i i don't i haven't quite figured out how to deal with adrenaline other than i give him insulin and hope it was the right amount, but how, you know, I don't know how to combat that hormone. I don't, I don't know what the right amount of insulin is for that situation yet. Cause it's not every day, you know, I haven't had as much experience as I have with, Oh, well I know how to deal with blueberries because we eat a lot of blueberries, you know? So that I can do And you've had plenty of practice. And one day you'll realize that'll have happened enough times or hope or maybe he'll grow out of it, but you'll be able to figure it out at some point. I saw something incredibly interesting yesterday uh, end of a tie in the last inning of a tie game. So it was the uh, they were so it was the bottom of the sixth inning. They were getting ready to go back out on defense, and Arden ran out to her position, and her blood sugar started going up. And I thought it was weird. The timing was strange, and I couldn't do anything about it because she was on the field. So when she came back in, I kind of met her at the fence, and I gave her some more insulin. And when we got in the car later, she said why did you have the bolus before I batted in that last inning? And I said, oh, your blood sugar jumped up. And I said, I couldn't figure out why. And she goes, I know why. And I said, I said, why? She goes, the game was tied. I had to lead off the next inning. And she's like, I got, she's like, I just got nervous that I was going to, it was going to be on me when the inning came back around again. And I, and I was like nervous. She goes, I don't know. It's not really nervous. It just, it just like, she couldn't really put it into words, but I think she was getting amped up go play defense, get three outs, not let them score and come back. And then she felt like it was on her to get them that run they needed. And that actually made her blood sugar go up. It was fascinating. I mean, you know? If you think about just how it feels like as a person, when you get an adrenaline rush, it's intense, yeah. you know? Yeah, really something. And 
you're probably releasing insulin and sugar at the same time too, you know? Mm, good times. And it's hot and everything else is going on. And she's hydrating as much as she can, but it never feels like it. She told me at one point, she's like, I drank so much water today. I could feel it moving in my stomach when I was running around. I was like, I'm so sorry. That happens to us when he has ketones. He'll be like, my tummy feels weird. I'm like, that's because you just drank a lot of water. Did you ever shake them and put your ear up to him? It's fun. You can hear it slosh around. So. I mean, I can just hear it when he's moving. <laughs> he moves enough. I mean, he's two. You know how they just... They're always in motion, you know. So, Mari, we're coming up on an hour. This was really great. Did I not? Did we not say anything that you were hoping that would come up? Um, well, we could say that one month after diagnosis, Jacob had an eight point six A one C, and uh, three months after that, so about four months after diagnosis, we got him down to a six seven. And I think that that may be the difference between using MDI with no CGM to using a a pump with a CGM. Um, and also us learning a lot. <laughs> but look how quickly you got to it too. Once you had that feedback and that information, how quickly you were able to go from, you know, to, to lose points off that A1C just, but what do you think his average blood sugar is in the course of a day? I don't even know. Yeah, it's hard um, and also I'm not there at night, you know, so I'm it's not true. part of that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, that's what you don't have to get involved in that. That's kind of lucky. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, but, <laughs> They're very diplomatic about it. They take turns, you know. Oh, I think nice. it's really nice because they both work full time. You know, in your case, you're a stay at home, so you take care of the night. That right. makes sense, right? Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, it just they makes... both work full time, so they just take turns. I think that's just so diplomatic and awesome. I wonder if they ever go to rock paper scissors in the middle of the night, just like like how do you no. pick who starts no, on? Monday? No, no, they take turns for each night. Just back like, Tuesday night is me. Wednesday night is you. You oh, know, I like. See. Yeah, so sometimes, though, he'll have a good night, bad night, good night, bad night. And I feel so bad for the, the parent who gets the both bad nights, you know? They never match up for me, by the way. I, I, like, like on the nights, I don't know if this happens to other people, but Arden's blood sugar is perfect. It never goes up. It never goes down. I get in bed, and I can't sleep. And I'm like, this is some sort of a cruel joke. Like, like how is the, tonight's not the night I couldn't just, like, lay down and fall asleep? The nights when I need to do something... I'm struggling to keep my eyes open to do it. I was like, well, I would just one Maybe, time. It, well, it could have to do with just being exhausted over the idea of having to do it. Makes you tired. I don't know. No, I, I don't disagree. I also think that like there's that when the blood sugar's not giving me a problem, my brain immediately goes, oh, what are the other things I would do if my daughter didn't have diabetes? And then I get overwhelmed with things I'd like to do. You know what I mean? Like, like maybe watch an episode of something on Netflix. Like, oh, like maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll think about things. Like maybe, and then I just get, I get the, I get the opportunity to, to use that free time. And the, for some reason, I can't use it to sleep sometimes. And it's uh, disappointing when you don't fall asleep and the blood sugar never beeps, never moves. And you're like, oh, I know tomorrow night I'll, I'll zonk out. And I'm gonna. I also feel up. like. Sometimes when we have these like amazing days where I'm just like, wow, this all just went so smooth, then there'll be like a terrible night, right? Or they'll have like a really smooth night where I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. And then we just have the crappiest day. And I'm like, <laughs> and it, it, there's just no rhyme or reason sometimes. Well, Mari, I think that as he gets older, as Jacob gets older, you'll see more rhymes and more reasons and you'll have less fluctuation like that. And you know, a lot of it will come with his body getting bigger a lot of it'll come with you got the three of you having more experiences but but i think you're well on your way to finding more of that balance that i think is you know everybody desires and you guys are really to be commended like the three of you working together like this is just really it's fantastic like it, it's not you know some people have real trouble and there are people listening now who are you know and you know, their husband and their wives and they fight about this stuff all the time i hear about it a lot so well, it's it's not a it's, it's not, not a like we all thing. agree a hundred percent on everything, but you know ultimately they have the say, right? And I'll I'll do what they want, but they also um, are totally open to hearing my ideas and letting me try out things within reason. So that's yeah. the key: the freedom to just you know to get your thought out in the world without somebody judging it, and then give it a try and see what happens. And also, you know, they're like, if you feel like you need to make a call, make a call, do it, yeah. you know, and then if we didn't like that call, we'll let you know afterwards, you know, but like in, in the situation, I don't have to sit there 
you know, questioning myself too much. Um, I just act, you know. Yeah. So Jacob's parents, who we're not naming, you guys are handling this incredibly well. And maybe one day one of you will come on and we'll, uh, we'll talk about the other side of this conversation. Mari, I really appreciate you doing this. I know it's early where you are. Uh, oh, it's not that early. Yeah, listen. It's, it's, it's like 9.30 right now. Right, but still, it's the morning. I'm like looking at the rest of my day going, huh, I wonder what I'll do now. It's like 12.30. So I'm actually going to run. I'm going to take Arden to get her teeth cleaned because that is the excitement that is my life. And, uh, and I just I genuinely appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Thank you so much to Omnipod, to Dexcom, to Mari, to the family that Mari works for, to Jacob for being awesome, and all of you for listening. Don't forget, you can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box or the links that I've put everywhere to get a free no obligation demo pod today. Omnipod would be thrilled to send you out a demo so you could wear it, try it, and see if everything I'm telling you is, you know, copacetic. Also, dexcom.com forward slash juice box, or again, the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com to get started today with the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Happy 4th of July to those of you living in America. I'm super sorry to those of you living in England and everyone else. It's Wednesday. I'll be back next week.